Hey guys, and welcome back to Front Boards and Four Baggers, episode 27. I'm Eddie with Cornhole Bag Reviews, and we got Corbin with Corbin's Cornhole Reviews. It's been a minute, man. I uh, yeah. For everyone out there wondering where the podcast has been, it's called Corbin uh, Has Kids, and I Have <laughs> Hobbies That I Treat Like Kids, and they happen to end yeah. on different nights of the week. So you um, know, Corbin we, has hobbies too. But, <laughs> but no. with golf and cornhole and stuff, we just couldn't find a night of the week that yeah. was just working. Now that uh, a lot of our summer activity, maybe weekly commitment leagues have come to an end, we're able to kind of get back on the horse and get a day of the week and uh, continue back on this podcast project, which a lot of you guys have reached out and said you've enjoyed the podcast. So we wanted to make sure that we brought yeah. it back. Uh, today we have um, some pretty pressing topics or controversial topics, talked about things in the last couple months in the cornhole world. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about the ACL stamp versus the ACO stamp, which the ACO is now bringing on a stamp and kind of the new regulations that the ACL is putting forth that some people have had an issue with. We'll also talk a little bit about the no stamp movement, uh, which has kind of been a response to this. We'll talk a little bit about bag regulations, uh, some some issues with size and template as stuff breaks in. And then we'll talk a little bit about some of the rule changes that are coming to the ACL this season. So uh, we'll start off. How, how's your cornhole game been doing this summer? You know, how you feel like you've been playing, you know? Oh, man, such a bad time to even talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> we just had the uh, the conference championship on Saturday. And uh, I just, man, I did not throw to my potential. I was throwing so solid literally up until that point. I was taking down blind draws. I was getting, I was getting podiums like anywhere I went. Honestly, it was like I was just throwing really, really good. I was throwing a lot. And then you woke Go to up. conference championship. And then I was like, oh, ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> you're still dreaming thinking you're uh, going to beat me. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. I went to the conference championship and like started out. Okay. You know, through 765. I was like, all right, I, I squeaked a win like 22, 19. And then uh, next game I threw an eight, eight and I was like, cool. I'm back. Let's go. And then I just ran into just two powerhouses. I was like, okay, well, that was fun. <laughs> so, I mean, overall, it was, I mean, it was still a good experience and stuff. Um, just, I got to put in more work. That's all yep. it comes down to, you know, got to keep throwing, got to keep, keep grinding. I mean, I'm finding bags that I really like, right. uh, which is super helpful. You know, it's, you know how it is. You're throwing 20 different bags sometimes. Right. And it's just, I, I've narrowed in on a good three or four that I'm constantly bringing with me and that I'm really, really comfortable with. So that's, that's super helpful, but Overall, been pretty good. Um, I'm throwing a lot better, so I'm ready for the next season to come up. Um, yeah, I, I'm I, feel excited, like, so. I feel like locally for me, I've, I've been uh, constantly getting. I think I think it's just I don't have any pressure in these like events that aren't yeah. like big events, especially going to. I was just out at the That's throwdown. What it was, man. I was just out at the throwdown in California, and I mean, like uh, my two losses were to uh, Josh Thielen and his partner, and then to Tanner Halbert and Eric Sackline. So like no shame in that. Right. And, and we put up (laughs) when we, and I scored and I scored points in most, in both the games thrown in the wind. So, I mean, it's like if you could play that, you know, then you go to like a tournament in Minnesota for me and it's like, yes, there's still pressure points in games, but it's just, it's just, wow. I can, I I can score points on Tanner Halbert. I can score points on anybody, you know? Like, um, so I feel like I've been playing, we have the Minnesota state championships coming up in like three weeks here in October. So um, I hope that it's been culminating to me doing super well. I think, I mean, from me starting playing bags a year ago, basically, till I am now, I think it's like only been an upward trajectory. So hopefully I can keep Mm -hmm. that movement going. But it's been pretty good in the summer. I feel like I've had pretty good success in the tournaments that I've decided to go to. uh, Which If you still put out videos, I could see how well you're throwing. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. (laughs) 
one month hiatus. Dude, I, I, I'm not kidding. I had this sickness where like every time I would talk, I would just have a coughing attack. So like I would turn on the camera and I'm just like, yep, that's gone. All right, cool. That's not gonna work. So like, yeah. t- and I made it, I even like, it was bad enough that I made a post about it basically saying like, sorry, I've I been gone that. for so long. I'm like, I literally can't record. I can't do anything. Yeah. And then I was in Cali and Vegas for two weeks. So it's, I'm back on the horse. I got a bunch of stuff locked in. I just have to, you know, get the motivate. And, and there's been other things taking up my time, which we'll get into course. later course in the we'll podcast even. But, yeah. uh, but let's start a little bit with the, uh, ACL stamp. So if any, I mean, 99% of yeah. people like here should know what an ACL that are listening to this podcast probably know, but here's a 21, 22 stamps. This is last year's. Here's the new stamp yep. coming this year. You got ACL yep. 23, ACL 23, you know, so kind of this, it's not same, but uh, the same stamp that you guys kind of know from most of the major companies that you're going to see out there, uh, but a little bit different in who can now join to become a new stamped company. So last year we really saw the boom of new companies coming in. I mean, if you look at the ACL stamp list, it's, it's something like 60, 60 to 80 companies or something like that with, and I even heard that there's hundreds more that were applying that just got yeah, denied didn't make didn't it. Get, or didn't yep. get brought in. So yep. and they're trying to, with this new tier system, I can understand why they're trying to do it. I mean, they're a business that's in the business to make money. And they're basically saying like, Hey, if you supported us from the beginning, you're in. If you want to get in, like pay up or shut up kind of thing is how is how these right. numbers come across. So it's a tier system is how the ACL is now. And and this is for people that want to get in and now that aren't already in. So your ultras, yeah. your alcarnals, they're already in. Uh, but people that want to get in now, it's a tier system, tier one, two, three, four. Basically, the way they're tiering it is, you know, tier one, you're looking at all cornal, fire, ultra, anyone who can make crap loads PG. of bags at a massive scale automated sewing machines they're pumping out yep. thousands of bags a month and that's what they need to be able to do they need to be able to generate a huge licensing revenue but look at a company like zero gravity which had a lot of in like in not in the drama that they had but when i say if, if all these investors with a lot of money are seeing cornell and they want to come in and start a company now and they want to have that big industrial machine kind of like what fire has where they just pump out bags you're now paying a twenty thousand dollar entrance fee app just for the application. That's just to apply. Just That's to apply guarantee. for tier one, and then you're paying two thousand dollars per pro stamp bag, right? So that's for that big tier one. You're looking at and you can have fifteen pro stamp bags. Correct, correct. But you're paying two grand per model that you want per bag, plus two hundred dollars per year to list each bag. So, so initial investments fifty grand. Forty to fifty grand for a big tier one. <laughs> Correct. It's insane. Tier two, it says minimum capacity. You need to be able to make uh, 200 sets of bags per week. So still a very large commitment. I think now we're looking at, you know, Cornell scenario level, which, I mean, we're not even going to get into that and who makes their bags now. But like the levels of, of people that are like, all right, I'm 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 not a big time, but I have somewhat of a process. Maybe think like Dragon Bags, you know, because I know he still makes a lot of his own bags, but he could probably pump okay. out. He could probably pump out sets at about this rate. You need to be able to bring the ACL 5K a year of revenue, at least, which is their royalty fees off your bag. So basically, you got to be selling, what is that, like 50 to 100K worth of revenue at least, just on bags. And you're only allowed to have five ACL pro stamp bags. And that application fee is 10 grand. So now you're looking at, okay, so you're a reasonably sized person wanting to get in. This is, I think, the more reasonable tier that people are upset about of people wanting to get in. You're looking at 
15 to 20 K probably to realistically get into this tier. So we're saying 15 to 20 K plus 15% of all net bag sales goes to the ACL. So you, so you got to have 20 K up front and then 15% of your bottom line is gone. So you're going to see a lot of, I mean, and some companies are tier three now. That's why you're seeing some more comp stamp bags. I'm talking like name brand bag co TNT is now ACL stamped. Like some of these yeah. really small guys that got into the ACL a lot of people want them to get into the ACL, but at the same time, it's a big investment and a big future investment. And the fact that they changed, anyone who didn't know the process last year, last year, pro stamp bags were 15% revenue and comp stamp bags were a little bit less. And I believe that's still yeah. how it is. But still, even even at the next tier, so tier three, you can only have comp stamp bags, which, and it's crazy how low these numbers get, right? Where it's like, minimum, yes. like, Tier two, you have to be able to make 200 sets a week. Tier three, you only have to make 25 sets a week, right? Yep. So, like, that's just like a dude in his garage, right? It could be someone in their basement garage. Yep, absolutely. But you can only have comp, and uh, the application fee is 2500 bucks. So, that's why you're seeing some new companies have a lot of comp stamp stuff. It's like, all right, I'm basically paying five grand to get in plus 10% of my bag sales because comp bags are only 10% um, yep. to be able to get in and, you know, start doing ACL stamp. I can understand why people want to get the stamp. You know, I, I feel like there's an understanding that all oh, stamp bags are better. What I worry about with this system, especially this tier three comp thing, is that I feel we're in a world where people only care about the pro stamp just because of Which, lack of understanding about the comp stamp. Yeah. And can we talk about that? Yeah. For a yeah. Why don't because you explain the difference I'd, between pro and comp and what it well, actually I mean, means. and you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. My understanding is the only time a pro stamp is needed is if a pro is throwing a bag at a national event only. Pro or pro invitational, yeah. Or pro invitational. Right. Sure. So I think shootouts but, are fit in there too. Correct. Yeah. But if a pro is throwing a bag at an open, it can be comp stamped. Doesn't matter. They can throw comp stamp bags at local blind draws. They can throw comp stamp bags whenever the hell they want. Just not at pro specific events, right? So even that aside, say you're a smaller company that doesn't even have a pro, you don't want pros, you're just getting into it. I see no issue whatsoever with this tier three. You're getting in, you're getting comp stamps that everybody can play with. And then if you gain a ton of traction, you start getting bigger, you might want pros. Well, you can apply to get, what, that'd be tier two, because you're allowed to have ACL pro models there. Right. So, you know, I'd, I could see a company going that route if they're smaller and they start gaining a lot of traction, getting bigger, getting bigger, getting a lot of revenue. They're like, cool, I can actually afford this now. I'm going to go for this pro. Now I can have sponsored pros if I want my name on, you know, big names, if they want to sponsor, on, you know, whoever, right? Um, I like tier three myself because well, I, I, there's no difference in how the bag is made. There's no difference in the materials of the bag, the quality of the bag, nothing. The difference is the stamp on the bag. Right, and and that's where I think – that I don't think tier three is worth it. And the reason I say that is because- oh, you don't? No, I, I don't think- Okay. If you're going to go tier three, I say you take one of the other options that we're going to talk about later, which is either no stamp okay. or ACO stamp. And the reason I say that Fair. is because if you're just trying to use it to grow, I think you're joining a market that one, you don't have any pros for marketing. Two, you don't have the pro stamp, which I think people, on like the people listening to this podcast might know the difference because they're a dedicated cornhole viewer sure. looking at this. So the information is someone who's just like picks up two bags and they're just like, oh, these ones are pro. I'm going to buy these. And they're probably the same price. So why would you buy the comp one? So you're paying this 
like 10k entry fee, 5 to 10k entry fee, plus 10% of all your net sales to increase a little bit of marketing revenue, maybe because you can say, hey, I'm an ACL manufacturer. At the same time, look at 724, which granted they've gone ACO now, but 710, uh, Galaxy Cornel, Rebel Bag, yeah. Breezy Bags, all these yeah. huge no stamp bags. They have no stamp and they sell out instantly and he just makes whatever they can make and, and they're That's doing true. totally fine, right? Where I'm just like, I just don't, I think the ACL is now becoming a big business game Right. Of it like is. lucky bags. He started as a small thing. Now he's an industry thing and he's big. Right. Same with fire ultra BG. Like you were saying, like they're, they're just too big now that if you want to start a company, unless you got the capital to invest in a warehouse and machinery and whatnot, like even yeah. Steve miles, with Cornell suit, they got like a factory. I mean, it's just sure. like, how, how do you compete with that? Or how are you going to get to that scale? And BG, they have the money to buy, you know, Tyler Cobb, if they want, like these players that are going to see sure. TV time and you as a small yeah. person are not going to get the TV time for your investment and you're not going to get the marketing in my, this is all my opinion, but I just, and I can understand that. I mean, if, if you're in a situation where let's say you don't want a pro, right. You just want to be thrown at ACL events. You have no interest in sponsoring a pro at any point. And I, I see if you're a smaller guy, like, I mean, you make backs, you know, we're, we're getting into that a little later, but you can't pump out 200 sets. Right in a week. Right. But you're able to pump out 25 sets in a week. Right. And if you wanted your stamp and you wanted your bags being thrown in ACL, it's not really a bad way to do it. I, and I, and I think that's we'll, just me. I'm oh, yeah. And I think we'll get into, and I think you, your opinion also comes from a position that most of your events are ACL events, even your blind draws are ACL Absolutely. events. So you Absolutely. need that yep. where like, I think in most areas of the country, if not all, except for very select few, like yours being one of the just powerhouse areas, yep. there's no stamp requirement at, unless it's a regional uh, or an open, right? Where yep. it's just like, and, that's don't need that. and as someone who like, you know, comes from making bags, I just think that tier three is kind of just the like, oh, you, you want to get in, we'll give you something. But like ACL really doesn't care anymore. Because even talking to someone who was ACL last year, uh, a smaller company owner, he's just yeah. like with the because they have to meet with the shareholders and talk about memos and stuff of course with the push of like hey you guys need to be getting more royalties like how much money are you actually making like the acl is not, i mean they're a business but at the end of the day they're wanting people to come in that make them money they're they're no longer trying to help the small guy which i think the aco and no stamp which we'll get into i think they're a little bit more friendly to people trying to get in and then granted they're trying to Fair compete enough. and they're not as big but i think if yeah. you're starting off i don't think um the acl is going to bring you enough to make it worth it because there's too many big players now. There's um, a ton. But let's transition a little bit into the ACO, yeah. right? So the ACO, one one thing I didn't I also didn't say about uh the pro stamp is to get a new pro stamp bag now. You have to have a recommendation letter and tactile testing from three ACL pro players per new series. Oh man. And successful completion of the ACL friction and flexibility test and the fabric and fill. This, this is actually a big one. Sorry, I, I can't believe I didn't mention this. Fabric and fill must maintain must be maintained throughout the duration of its listing. So the problem we had with Ultra last year, where they went from disc to bead and back to disc. Yeah, you absolutely. Do you can't do that anymore. You buy your fill. You make a mix. Whatever you decide and to that's do. That's what it is. That stays. It doesn't change it. But comp, comp actually, oh, and it uh, must be offered in at least two colorways from launch. But then comp, hmm. you're allowed to fabric must stay the same, but you can vary your fill as long as it maintains the core characteristics of floppiness, bigness, that kind of thing. 
That, I think sure. that's kind of strange. Is that I don't know if that's like them being the small guys. All right, you're not gonna be able to get consistent fill at the rates that Ultra can. I mean, I, I, it's Maybe. just curious to me that they're like, oh yeah, you have to stay the same. No more of this bullshit bag stuff. But eh, whatever. This is the comp guy. That's where that, but, and I think know. that's kind of been my mind. And the reason yeah, I, I don't like it. the tier three is that ah, eh, whatever. You guys just do what you gotta do. You know, where it's it's not like oh, you're part of the Ultra all corner which i feel like in the last couple of years is kind of like you're an acl company like that's what you're doing like you're part of this now it's just kind of like oh you don't make us 20 grand a year 30 grand a year ah eh, whatever mm. you know like you know which their business i get it but of course aco so aco yes. granted uh you know they so anyone who doesn't realize this aco was the big dog five, oh, yeah. six years ago. They had Matt Guy, they had Ryan Windsor, they had Jimmy Grant, they had everyone played ACL. ACL didn't even exist. The ACL was has just been ran more like a business and they came in, they got a TV deal, they've increased exposure, they've gotten bigger prize pools, better sponsors. So now they're the big dog, right? But ACO has kind of just hasn't grown with the times. And I think this stamp is their first thing to try to compete with ACL from a monetization standpoint and from a like, Hey, pick, pick a side. Like, do you want to support ACL? Do you want to support ACO from a company standpoint? But I think their pricing model uh, is a lot more friendly to anyone coming in, which is why you're going to see a lot of that were non-stamped or smaller guys have an ACO stamp. Uh, they do a tier system too, tier one, two, three, four prices are five grand, 2,500, 1,500 and 500. But the good part about it is at the $500 tier, tier four, you can stamp as many bags as you want. You just have to send in two sets to get approved. And uh, you get on their website on like the back page, just your name listed on there. Every tier you go up, so tier three, you get a free vendor booth at three majors, which are $250 a major. So that's $750. Bucks. Tier two, you at $2,500, you get a free booth at six majors and an episode on a podcast. So a little more exposure for you. And then five grand, you get a free booth at every major and a free booth at Worlds and uh, two episodes on a podcast and social media posts. So they're basically saying like, hey, if you trust in us, give us some money. We'll let you stamp all your bags. We'll give you a free spot to come travel. Like come grow with us is, is, is how yeah. I view them saying like, we're trying to get bigger. We want to start competing again. Come grow like with the brand, right? It's like grow your brand here and not there is, is how I read a lot of this, which is why I think a lot of small guys are going that direction. You know, Crazy 8 is ACO. 724 yep. is ACO. I wouldn't be haggard bags. I believe is going ACO. Like a lot mm-hmm. of these companies are going ACO because they're just like, all right, dead cool. Nuts I, is dead nuts dead nuts on ACO. ACO. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we got? Um, we got um, pitch bags. We got uh, ruthless bags. We got killer mm-hmm. bees went ACO. There's a lot of companies that have decided to go because they're like, you know what? I can afford twenty five hundred bucks, five hundred bucks, fifteen hundred bucks, sure. whatever it is. Uh, it and, and in my opinion, I think it's gonna increase the marketing value just as much as ACL. Yes, it doesn't have the ACL stamp on it, but if you're not Ultra with an ACL Pro stamp, I think even just having a, hey, we're ACO Pro certified, you can use it at ACO events, kind of has the same click in people's brains of like, oh, this bag's been, it's official, it's been tested, it's yeah, regulated, it's and whatever it is, right? Whatever that yeah. subconscious thing is of, oh, this bag's regulated, right? It has to be yep. legit, that kind of thing. I feel like you kind of get the same. On the other hand, I don't think the stamp looks as pleasing on a bag takes up because this is apparently uh, the minimum size it has to be right yeah so it you know and this is a 724 blood money too but a lot a lot of people wish it wasn't on here because it's a little big and bulky yeah. but you know they got to do what they got to do you know they, they want to be on there that's the whole point of them having the stamp right mm-hmm. um but i don't know i what is your opinion on the aco stamp i granted you don't have a lot of aco events but do you understand so why we do, maybe we do have aco in the area um i just haven't ever attended it um, 
I, man, I, I mean, I like the money part of it better. Um, I mean, I like that they're, they're not charging any, um, royalties on your sales. Right. That's huge. You know, it's you, actually way it's, bigger it's than people so, think it is. It's so gigantic. <laughs> it, it's disgusting. The checks that <laughs> these companies cut the ACL well, for to. royalties. It's, it's like, it's like almost, it's, it's almost like all your taxes. Like it's, it's basically now you're paying oh yeah. 50% taxes instead of 35% just double taxing. Taxes. Yeah. Like yeah. crazy amount. I mean, look at, look at a set of, so ultra, right? You get your. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, I don't. I think it. I think it goes off the eighty-five and not the shipping price, right? Just the stock eighty-five. But let's say they sell a set for one hundred and twenty-five. You know what it is after a day or two. Yeah. Right. So fifteen percent of one hundred and twenty-five. What twelve fifty plus six? It's like nineteen dollars. So right. if Ultra says a th- sells a thousand sets of you know Vipers in a drop, I mean yeah. that might be excessive Viper hours. I don't That's know how many. Excessive, it is. Maybe yeah. maybe two hundred. Right. 200 cents at 20 bucks a piece. Yeah. But, you know, somewhere in the range. Let's just, let's go a thousand for fun, you know, just to say it. Absolutely. Even they're cutting, they're cutting the ACL a check for $20,000 for a single drop. For one drop. Right. Granted, yes, they're pulling in, and I'm, I'm just, you know, they're pulling 100, in a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand, sure. but they got to pay for overhead machines, like taxes, Correct. employees, all this other shit. And now you got 20 grand of that drop also just going to the ACL because cool, we got to use your little thingy. Right. Not to mention and the pros. thousands that they've already spent. And the thousands that, that they spend to continue <laughs> to maintain. And if they want to right. add all these new bags, and they have, they're close to the 15 bag lines with the stamp on it. So 200 bucks a bag per year. I mean, you're looking at like just another three grand off the top, just a list. You're looking at two grand per bag if you want to keep adding these 23 bags that they're adding, like Widow yep. R, Viper R, you know. Yep. I mean, so even a company as big as Ultra, which is pulling in a good amount of money, I'm sure. That's still a large chunk of money a year. I, I got to believe they're sending 500 grand a year in royalties. I mean, uh, on yeah. bag sales and BG is probably close to the same. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's bonkers, but yeah, I love that too. I'm glad you pointed that out that ACO does not charge royalties, which is huge. But I mean, would those, would those companies be pulling that revenue without an ACL stamp? Well, those companies, no, now that they're in the state that they're in, I exactly. Agree. I and agree with you, so you're, but they you're were in at a point, a little tied, right? And they were in at a point that they were able to get some of the top players, got tons of exposure. I Correct. mean, look, look at Lucky. I've talked to so many people and even people in the industry that say Lucky got Trey Birchfield the year that he exploded and got was yep. the world champ throwing surefires. And anyone who was in the bag hobby last September when I was getting in, you could not get surefires, people were selling them for like 180 dollars a set because you couldn't yep. get surefires and then they've changed a little bit because they changed the manufacturing process but that was a guy who was outsourcing a small amount of bags to these little local things and selling couldn't sell enough and now has scaled to be one of the biggest bag companies and oh, one absolutely. of the biggest mike hennessy is one of the biggest faces at all these events and people know him and stuff yep. like that in like less than a year right yeah. so yes the platform helped him do that but i think we're at absolutely. a current stage now that it's going to be really difficult to get a player that will break out in that manner that doesn't get lucky like Gladiator, that you find Mark Richards and Philip Lopez that just freaking like are the greatest player with the greatest season throwing King Cheetahs. And not saying King Cheetahs aren't good. I have a set right here. Love my King Cheetahs, and I love Gladiator. Eddie 10 for 10% off. Got to chill a little bit. Um, 
it's going to be very difficult unless you get that kind of, I don't even want to say luck, but kind of luck that like you just get a dude that has a no I mean, man and is that good. what sponsorship is kind of about. I mean, you're, you're following players. I mean, there's, there's going to be the Birchfields, the Wootens, the Windsors, you know, I mean, Windsor sponsors himself, but you know who I'm talking about, you know, Matt guy, Jamie Graham, all right. that. There's going to be the solid top 10 players that are just going to stay. Right. But you're, you're looking for that up and comer. You're like, who can I get? That's going to be a little cheaper, but could do really good. <laughs> but I'm saying like now in the current state, the ACL is if you're trying to get in now, I don't think you even get the opportunities to get those players. Cause the, the oh, salaries, the salaries people are at for asking for now are, I mean, I agree. Okay. So you're paying 20 K to get in to throw the bags. How much you got to pay a player salary plus free bags, plus free swag, plus travel, all this kind of stuff. Just to get a player that might do Okay. And might, might do, do good, right. might get you a little exposure. And even Gladiator, yep. right, have the number one player in the world. And I got I to gotta think it'll, it, it, it has helped their sales, you know, 100%. I percent, so. But it, it did so. not do what Lucky did. It did not. You couldn't not get King Cheetahs. They weren't sold out there where you couldn't even get them, right? Oh. So I think we're past the stage of, like, just one thing happening that makes a company all of a sudden it was completely worth every dollar we've ever spent. Right. Especially being a new company uh, and the royalties and everything on top of that. On the other hand, I think ACO, because it's only even if you spent the five grand and you're tier one and and this is what you do full time now, you're trying to do it and you get in your car and you drive to all 12 majors and you set up a booth. And I got to think over the course of 12 majors, you get that five grand back. Just in some bag sales, people trying out so. your Just stuff. Sales the exposure, and even the exposure of you being there, people seeing your tent, letting people try some stuff out, and then they order a set online, and then their friends get it. It gets in their community, yep. all that shit, right? That you are, you have to put in the work. It's not like a ACL gives you like the ACL marketing. You have to go do the work, but it's such sure. a lower entry fee to get that exposure to maybe a group of people that. You know, granted, the ACL has the TV exposure and it has the pros, but I think the ACL has more people that are just, oh, there's an ACL major nearby. I'm going to go. It's cheaper to go play with my friends. I'm going to go check that out. Right. Where like they might be willing to try a smaller brand because maybe they don't like the money hungry stuff. They don't want to be a pro. They don't need this. Mm -hmm. Or they think a design's cool. You know, that's how 724 and 710 so much, so much stuff. Absolutely. Designs are cool. So I just think, I just think that being the barrier entry being that low just gives people an opportunity to grind and get bigger if they want to in that space. Yep. It does make sense. Right. I mean, that's, and there's, there's still legit players. Oh yeah. I mean, Craig Irvin, who just won ACL and he qualified to be an ACL pro and decided to go ACO. Yep. Caitlin Ham. Right. Maddie McBride. I mean, Maddie yep, McBride. McBride. Uh, there's throwers. Austin Cameron. Uh, you got Caleb and Isaac Hurt, which are, Oh yeah. The uh, Hurts you for got, sure. You got uh, Gary Bearpaw. Or uh, you got, uh, I mean, there, there's a Fergie. There, there's a lot of really good throwers in ACO. I, Absolutely. A, ACO is not a cakewalk. Anyone who thinks like, oh, it's just like, ah, uh, there's no good players in ACO. Oh, I'm no, just going to go and win. Like, no. No, there's luck. a smaller amount of good players than ACL, and no one will f- refute that, right? And I, th- I, But I also think there's a couple players in ACO that could easily go in ACL and have decent results and beat a lot of the good players. Um, that are just choosing to stay ACO because maybe they like the fact that they can more consistently get in the payouts. They can more consistently. Maybe they have good sponsors. Maybe they got a lot of friends in the ACO. Maybe it's closer in their yep. region, easier to do regionals. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people would stay there, and it's not because they're not good enough to play. It just makes more yep. sense logistically and financially for them to do that. Absolutely. Um, but let's transition a little bit into – so 
I talked a little bit about the no stamp movement and what I think the no stamp movement is kind of like people that are like, all right, I think the stamp stuff is dumb. I don't want to have to pay the money for your stamp. I want to support a company that's just a dude grinding and putting in the time. So I started my own bag company. All right. So Sub-Zero Bag Co. is what I started. It actually started as I wanted to be able to make my bags, make bags for myself just for fun. Like I love designing bags. I always loved designing customs with companies and stuff. So I bought myself a heat press, sublimation printer. I got on the Facebook pages to learn how to make. I asked a bunch of questions to people that I talked to in the past and I started just making them for fun. <laughs> then I was able to make a set for my uh, for my buddy. Like he was the first one to buy a set from me. And uh, as I kind of kept making more and more, I was just like, you know, this is kind of cool. Like I- I'm just going to launch it as a no stamp thing. Something I want to do for fun. And to say it's blown up is the wrong way to say it. I don't think it's like blown up, but I've had pretty consistent amount of orders. Like people are getting excited about it. I've had some people try them and they really enjoy them. So now that's what I personally throw. So somehow my favorite bag is a carpet bag and Corbin has the same carpet, but different fast side, but on the frostbite, mine are the avalanche. Yours turned out really, really cool. I like yours a lot. It did turn out. Okay. I guess these are a carpet bag avalanche four nine. It is like the most stupid whole friendly carpet bag I've ever thrown. I don't know why I can actually throw these things. And then here is my Tempest, which is your 6.9 speed. A lot of you guys would know. Here's just my personal design with Louie. But, hey, look at that closing stitch. Look how good that's got. You know, it's a pretty solid closing oh, yeah. stitch there. Uh, that's yeah. trash. Trash. One of the first sets I made. Trash. Scott's got, gotten <laughs> way better. He'll be, getting, he'll be getting new ones to review. Don't worry, guys. That, that's all right. He was one of the trash beginning ones. Got to start somewhere, bud. Right. But I found, uh, you know, I... Reviewing bags for this long, I knew the materials that I thought were good, the template size I thought was good. Granted, I have nine different templates in my garage, five different kinds of fill. I just always am testing and tinkering, trying to find the thing that I find is the personal best. I'll go outside. The amount of times I make a bag, go outside, break it in, throw it on the boards. It does a couple of things I don't like, and I come back inside and cut it open. I'm just like, nah, this sucks. (laughs) It sucks. No one will like this anyways. Why would I make it? And I feel like that's something else, yeah. Right, and not trying to toot my own horn or say my bags are the best. I'd put my bags up against anyone personally because I will not send out a bag that other than yours that I don't think are perfect <laughs> because it's just, you know, it's the, way, fair. the way for me. Yeah, the way that I am. I was just like trying to get you something that I, I thought I was doing a good job and now I'm actually doing a good job and I'm like, damn, I mean, suck. <laughs> here's the thing. I mean, I don't know if this is a compliment to you or a slam on Lucky, but like this is just as good as Lucky was two years ago. Here's my pro sniper closing stitch. Well, yeah, that's my point. <laughs> <laughs> that's my point. Like, I mean, that's really not bad. Right. This is much it's better. I mean, this is this is a lot better. Well, yeah, that's a lot better. That's cleaner, but there's there's really nothing wrong with it. No, this, no, this it's not gonna fall not apart. This bag is not hundred percent broken in either. So as it got as it gets looser, as it whatever, it'll It'll actually do just fine. Yeah, yeah. But it's either way, okay. you're fine. Right. <laughs> Whatever. I'm being too nice. This looks like shit. <laughs> yeah. Trash. Trash. <laughs> no one throw Corbin's bags. Straight trash. Actual ass. But no. Uh, you know, I, I shout out to Mike Bags, a reviewer on YouTube. He's actually got a couple sets and reviewed them for me, which has been really nice. I'll be uh, I'll be sending a set out to you soon. You'll have another set soon because I got to send you the actual good ones. But uh, yeah, you probably should. My most popular bags have been the carpet bag. It's crazy. I had a local that uh, is a carpet thrower. He started throwing them. He started winning tons of tournaments with them. And now they're selling like hotcakes, which has been awesome. And then my Tempest, which is like a pro sniper. Blizzard's like a surefire. I got like a Cat 3. I got a Viper, you know, all the kind of ones that 
I'm like, all right, these speed ranges I like, but I have slightly different templates than they do slightly different corners. I do a mixed fill, that kind of thing, where I feel like mine do what I want them to do. And yeah. again, I wouldn't throw them personally when I have all the bags I have just out of pride that I make them. I throw them because right. I personally believe that they will compete the best that I couldn't compete and give me the routes that I can do. Plus, I think my designs are cool because I spend a lot of time doing the design. So if you guys want to uh, check out some of my sets, I have Sub-Zero Bag Co. on Facebook as well as you can reach out to me personally. But I will have a website on the way. It's being made right now. Trying to make you get a little bit bigger, but uh, it's the only only I don't like plugging myself too much. You guys will not see my myself. You kind of have to, though. Yeah, you won't see me reviewing my own bags because uh, it's just it's just not how I feel the route to do it. I, I will have a video coming saying I started a bag company and talk sure. to you guys a little bit of the process and show you my shop and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I'm doing this as a passion project. I'm doing this because I love the game of Cornell and I love being able to make bags that other people find cool. And, that, and that's the biggest thing for me is like if you come to me and you're like, that design is so freaking cool. I want to cool it. The fact that I made that design and someone else thinks that's so cool enough they want to buy it. Just like it's such a feeling you can't replicate with other things where people just love what you're doing and then want to be a part of it. So everyone who's bought a set for so far, they have sold about 150 sets or so. Uh, I, I hope you guys love them and I, I really appreciate the support. So if you guys want to check out a set, definitely shoot me a message. Uh, you know, it's getting backed up a little bit. So I'm making them as fast as I can. It's not my full-time <laughs> job. So I'm trying as best I can to pick them up, but appreciate okay, all the CS. <laughs> Whatever. That's an, <laughs> okay. That's actually a really interesting point that I want to bring up real quick is that you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> is that people, um, people all the time are like, Hey, uh, what's your Venmo? Let me get my, get my money in to get myself in line for like customs right. and stuff or orders. I will not accept money. I won't even ask. I won't tell my Venmo or anything until the bags are ready to be printed. Right. And the reason I'll I do tell that, you with Venmo. <laughs> the reason I do that is because I don't like having other people's money. If like something yeah. comes up and I can't make them for a week or sure. something, I feel obligated. I'm like, oh my God, you've paid. I got to freaking work overtime and get these things done. So it's just uh -huh. like, hey, I'm going to be able to get these done this week. Uh, they're ready to go shoot me this and then I'll print them off. Right. And so it's at least like, all right, you're in my pipeline already. So it's kind of a good interaction. Like you're going to get them within a reasonable time. And you're not gonna be like, I sent you money like two months ago. Like what the heck? Right. And that's something I really am trying not to do. So if you, so if I get to the point that I have to tell people no, or tell people I got to wait a little bit, or I have a stock on the website, that kind of thing. It's just because I don't want that situation that you feel like gypped out of your money waiting for months at a time it's it's no bueno right right and i just that's it's not no the bueno. vibe i want you know i'd rather be able to mm -hmm. wait and and again I'm, I'm not gonna sacrifice quality people are like oh what are you gonna do how is it gonna grow i'm not gonna outsource work i sew every single bag i design every single bag i fill every single bag like i don't outsource any of it so like all of it is me in my garage doing what i can do so i i and that's the way i want it to go i want it you know i i just want it to be my thing i don't need it to grow i just want to do it because i love doing it um, yep. But yeah, so Sub Zero Bag Co. had to shill a little bit. I don't like doing it, but why not? You know, yeah, you kind of have to. I mean, check them out. You do make a quality bag, uh, and you have a lot of different speeds, which is cool. Right. You're not just kind of catering to one, one or the other. I mean, you got your Surefire, you got your Pro Sniper, you got your, you know, um, this is almost a mix. This is like I call almost that a Merc, like a, but kind of a Viking, but also no, it's, not because the template's way different. It's so. Merc materials with bigger template. I find correct. I, I call it like a, you know. All my carpet bags are friendly carpet bags. They can still roll and cut because people do them, but it's not going to bounce on you like a Viking. It's not going to roll Correct. if you don't mean it to roll. So yep. if you don't, and, and people get them, if you don't know how to roll, you ain't going to roll these things. 
But if you Correct. know how to roll, you can roll them, right? You're going to make it happen, yeah. Right. We'll still do carpet things without being too carpety for those that may not want something right. and so if you carpety. Can't throw a carpet bag, like these are freaking money like, Try all the time, dude. Yeah. They're so good. Like, and, and the thing people don't get about carpet, which, you know, sidetrack a little bit, but of course, this isn't carpet you would put in your house. That's not what we call it carpet <laughs> because we don't print on it. So it's like this bland color thing, right? It's a material made out of a made out of a substance called polypropylene that you cannot heat press because it will burn. Right. So, so we just call it carpet because it's like, oh, it's a blank thing on the bottom. Right. But like it's not. Car- so like you're used to throwing a Viper. Right. But that soft feeling material on the underside. Carpet's just another soft feeling material. We just can't print it. <laughs> so like if you can. Have make- you tried to print it? Yeah, it burns. And just to see what happens. It makes your whole garage smell like terrible. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's not worth it. Um, it's amazing. But, but if you make it with the right template and the right feel and fill and, and floppiness, it plays like a normal bag. It's just people like sure. see it and they get in their head like, oh, this Viking that I throw just kicks like crazy. I can't throw it. No, that's their fill template combo. There's a tight little puffer ball. You know, that's mm-hmm. what they're meant to do. So mm-hmm. so if, if don't knock on it till you try it, there's a reason it's my number one selling bags because I go everywhere and people try them. And they're like, those are insane. I want them. And I'm like, I know it's not carpet. I don't know what to tell you. Trust me, I'll get to set the Corbin and then he'll Viper army. You know, be like, these are so good. I don't know. <laughs> but Fine. all right, let's move on to before we get too long here. Let's move on to bag regulations and rules. Yeah. And so interesting thing happened at the world championships it in did. doubles. We got uh, Mark Richards and Philip Lopez were playing against Devin Harbaugh and Derek King in the bracket final. So it was to make the uh, make the final eight or the final four. It was either to make the ESPN stream, I believe, in doubles at the World Championship. Yeah. And Devin Harbaugh before the and I hate saying that last name. I can't get it out of my mouth. Harbaugh. Yeah, I know. I can't do it. I don't know why it doesn't come out right. So apologize, Devin. I, I know your last name. My mouth, my Midwestern mouth just can't say it. I don't know why. Um, but Devin requested that Mark's bags, uh, he said they were too thin and requested a bag check. So a official came over with a bag measurement device that was provided by Ultra that they gave to the ACL, I guess, and measured Mark's bags and found they were too thin. Then they measured Devin and Derek's bags and found that the template was not big enough. It was too small, right? So the thickness is fine, but the template was small for regulation, right? So all ba- those bags are both found illegal. They went into their bags, all of Mark's bags failed. All of Phillips' bags failed. <laughs> all of Derek's bags failed. All of Devin's bags failed. So now they have no bags. The only, and then actually the only bags in the whole venue that passed were Ultra Fire and All Cornell were the only bags that passed. And in my opinion, it's because those have they have the biggest templates of any bag, and they are able to fill them enough because otherwise they become like you know paper. So they're a fuller at the beginning, huge bag. So they pass regulations, right? So then it brought up this issue. So then they eventually ruled, okay, you guys can use your bags, uh, right. you know, because you don't have any other bags and we'll deal with it next year. Basically they haven't officially stated what exactly they're going to do. I've heard some, I've heard some comments say if it's a 21, 22 bag, you can't, uh, you can't measure the template, but you can measure the thickness. And now mm-hmm. with a 23 bag, you can measure the template and the thickness before an event. That's kind of what I've heard some people say or what some regional directors have brought up about their events kind of thing. From a bag manufacturer standpoint, as someone who make bags, and, and, so, and you can understand this too, as someone who breaks in crap loads of bags and feels different templates, I don't know how a bag maker is going to fit this without becoming everyone throwing ultra size bags. 
I have no um, idea. Or super fullbacks, right? Like sure shot local fullbacks that just never flop up. Because if I grab a bag, even if I grabbed a Viper and I throw it in the washer with a cup of wrinkle, like a crap load of wrinkle guard, that thing will come out like a napkin. Like there is mm-hmm. no way that thing's thicker, thick enough. I can press it and bend it oh, four yeah. ways, right? But if you boil an ultra bag, like I have one set of Viper Bees I boiled and one set of Viper Bees that are wrinkle guarded. The wrinkle guarded ones, I just personally like my bags feeling really soft. I just like the way it feels in my hand. So yeah. the wrinkle guarded ones, I love the feel of, but they are way floppier. And the Viper Bees that I um, boiled, I've thrown way more, but they've kept that fullness. They bounce a little bit more, which is kind of the indicative to the break-in process. Same sure. exact bag, same template, same fill, same material, same everything. One's probably illegal. One's probably legal. Just based on break-in method, not even being thrown a ton. Then you get players like Mark Richards that have thrown the thrown the bag the whole season, right? The beads, for any of you guys who don't know, have these burrs on them that they just rub together and break down mm-hmm. and get smaller over time. So the bag is just going to get thinner because the bead material is literally falling out of the bag as you're throwing it, right? So where do we get to? Like, what do you think a bag maker is supposed to do? Like, how are we supposed I, to? And that's tough to me because it's like I I think that. Each band, I mean, each bag manufacturer was within their spec when they sold that bag. Right. They were within published specs on what it was supposed to be. They've they have to be to get bags out of the door. Now, I mean, we've, we know about Lucky Gate and whatever, but I mean, for the most part, you know, bags out the door are approved and they're, they're where they need to be. You can't, you can't take responsibility for what people are going to do with their bags. I, I don't think you can. I mean, now I I do understand that certain bags really break down a lot. Uh, certain fills break down a lot. Right. What are you going to do? What, what can you do about that? I mean, and, and just say, well, you can't use this bag. I mean, that that's really all you could say. Right. You can't and, use this bag at this tournament. Point, a contrary and, point to what you just said, too, is like, so let's look at Devin's case, right, with his bags. So yeah. uh, Maddie King, owner of Dragon Bags, they were throwing Dragon Bags piece. So those bags were new for that tournament and weren't wide enough, right? So that, mm-hmm. that I would argue is it came off the manufacturer floor, not in regulation. But the Correct. problem with that is I bet you when they nuke the crap out of that and throw it a ton, it will relax to the point that it's now in regulation and thick enough. You probably need slightly it, yeah. thicker and a little smaller. So when it does relax, now it's good. Mm-hmm. So what's right? Because it's like, so his wasn't necessarily right off the line. But now when you get it where it plays how it's supposed to play, it's legal. Well, because no one's going to throw a bag right off the line. Right. Or if they boil it and keep it, they like a little smaller bouncer. I guarantee you the Vikings that I have are not big enough. Like I have these tiny little puffball Vikings. Okay. That I'm just like, okay, so they react the way they're supposed to react. And they probably do relax. I mean, I'm sure you felt the pros Vikings that are just like drippy. Oh, yeah. I had OGs that were just napkins. And, And those are probably legal now. But it's like, so it might have been past the point of being legal. Right. But and, and and that's another point. I mean, they probably played wonderful being, but they're probably legal. Right. And, well, and they, every bag that great. I throw bar a couple, like even my sub zeros are completely legal. But if I just keep throwing them for the next year, they're going to be illegal. There's nothing I can do. Like I can't. Yeah. So it comes bag. down to do you need to. I mean, do you just. Get rid of the testing and whatever as far as like tournaments and stuff goes i mean still have them be within spec when they leave factory and stuff but do you get rid of that and just say well it's the 23 season you have a month and then you can't use a 22 bag anymore here's my i think the i think the way that they have to do it 
I think, man, I think the best way to do it it's tough. is to have a representative, like if you're an ACL company, to have mm-hmm. a representative from ACL do random quality checks off the line, not broken okay. on brand new bags where it's like, where it's like, okay, random quality check. Are you in spec? Great. Now we can't test at tournaments. It's just these bags were legal. If the players sure. do something to alter it, or if they just break it in a ton, it's like, because we're in a sport that the material, you don't have a football that just randomly loses material over time. That's no longer legal. Right. I mean, a football just needs to be pumped up enough and they test it before the game. Right. So if you test mm-hmm. it off the line, like this is correct. I feel like, I feel like you have to make the choice of that's no longer, you can't test it now. Cause who is, who's thrown a brand new bag and has been like, I'm going to beat someone who's thrown a drippy bag. No, they, they're crap. <laughs> right. Brand new. Anyone. And it's funny too. I actually, with, with sub zero, I offer, break in like pre break in and almost for my avalanches my carpet bags and all my carpet bags i almost like recommend it like hey can i break in your bags because you're gonna get these and try to throw them and they're gonna feel like garbage and then if i it. break them in for you you're gonna be like these bags are amazing just because yeah. of the way that it plays and it's like so anyone who's just getting into the hobby that gets them they're like oh man i spent 130 bucks on my new vipers guess what a new viper out of the package feels like like waxy plastic crap Feels right? pretty bad, yeah. And then you throw someone's freaking nuked like Jordan Powers crazy broken pink Viper C's, and you'd be like, "This is oh, the, yeah. one of the best bags ever." And it's just like, "Yeah, well, he's put two thousand games on them. Like, sure. are they legal anymore? Maybe not." <laughs> so it's so. Yeah, dude, I feel like you got to pick it, a side. You got to pick a side. I don't know if there's a, and I don't know if there's a right answer. I no. mean, is a does it need to be legal as they're throwing, or does it need to be legal off the line? Right. I. I mean, it has to be both technically. Right. Right right now it does. I just think that from a manufacturing standpoint and knowing how these materials break down and knowing how break in works and not being able to monitor that, I think random quality checks, we're not like asking them, hey, mail us a set of your bags because then you just make sure they're illegal. But like either buying a set anonymously or showing up to the factory or, you know, like something random. I don't know how they're going to do it, but in a way that it's just like, hey, are you producing these all legally? Like, are they always legal? Do you have a good process in place that keeps them always legal? Then, yeah. then okay, we get to tournaments. And it's just like, you know, it has the stamp. It's legal. And in my opinion, the funniest part about this bag regulation thing is like, aren't you paying like 40 grand to get something on your bag that basically says we've been tested and approved? We are legal bags to be able to use. So now if yep. you have this future testing on stuff, and it's kind of like, then what's the damn point of the stamp? Now it's just like, it makes it even more of just a money hungry marketing tool, right? Where it's like, it's like, this doesn't even prove that the bags are legal so or legal uh, and in, I mean, in it's, these random terms that we're calling legal, right? Like, cause we and, don't even have a legal right now. I think that you can get into, you know, even if it's not broken in artificially, right? Cause I, we talked about it. Like, I mean, conditioners, softeners, whatever else, you know, a lot of that stuff is going to loosen the fabric. Of course, that's what it's supposed to do. That's going to make the bag bigger, looser, eventually thinner. Cause you got more space to spread out. Right. Okay. What's to say that someone throwing a bag for a thousand games doesn't do the same thing. Right. And what's to say I mean, that the material's someone... going to get beat up every single time the bag hits. I mean, it's, it's going to get looser. It's right. fabric. I mean, this is not indestructible stuff. Right. And what's to say that someone like like a normal Joe Schmo buys a bag, throws a thousand games on it, and then wants to go play an ACL event, they're like, sorry, you gotta buy new bags. And he's like, then why right. the hell did I buy these bags? You know, pro players yeah. can like if they got to the point that they had to get a new bag every tournament and break them in before the tournament and keep them just right below legal to where they played good, 
They could get free bags every single time. Like pros could. Yeah, that sounds so crappy though. It does. But but how else do you do it? If if bags naturally break down, like series vipers, everything would fail. Dude, they're like paper, Oh, for sure. Right? And granted those aren't stamped, but even Correct. I guarantee I guarantee you you if you walked in the door tomorrow to the 256 pros, tested 256 bags, you'd have like 10 that pass. Probably. Just because of the way stuff breaks it. And I guarantee you pros aren't throwing a bag unless that thing is destroyed. Because then it plays yeah. good, right? You're not going to sure. throw it new. So, how do you get there? You know, and and do you think do you think we get to a point? I mean, it, I think really this question really depends on the changes or the how they're going to enforce it. Mm-hmm. But if they enforce it at all times, off the line and new, you're going to see every company change their fill and template to an ultra for sure a fire bag. That's the only way it'll sure. stay legal if it's mm-hmm. if it's the size of a game changer with a mixed fill that makes it decently full. It's the only way that you're going to be able to stay relevant over the course of the entire thing. Yeah. And the bags are all going to become more similar. And then it's just like, eh. right. Then why? And then it also, if you're a new company, then what, what makes me want to buy your bag? All right. Well, what you're are you doing it for? Like mm-hmm. You have nothing different to your bag because you can't have anything different to your bag. Nope, not allowed to. Do you think this is good for the game as we grow? Like, especially Man, trying to get into the game. Like not now, what do you, you know, what do you do if you want to get in? So it's one of those things where like, I mean, I'm sure you've played against series Viper guys, right? Right. And it's I mean, it, they're total cheater backs. Yeah, so I mean, game it, changers. Uh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. But like, I mean, it, I can understand it for like that aspect because series Viper is just, it's so dumb it what they exist. can do. I, I agree. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> like they're ridiculous, but like you're allowed to have different fills. You're allowed to do different things. You're allowed to have different materials. So it's like, where is the line drawn? Right. I just, I mean, is the bag really that big of an advantage? You want to know the best part about being a non-stamp company? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. (laughs) I just, I don't think there's been anything like series Vipers that have come out. There's nothing like them and they're not allowed to be used anymore. The materials three days. That's why old cat threes feel so good too. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, without a stamp, you're kind of toast and well. Right. I don't know. I'm just curious. I'm really curious on how they try to enforce this because I think it'll, it'll end up changing the landscape of how you can make bags. It might. Yeah. Um, a little bit of the, there's been a couple of rule changes that people have been posting on the Facebook page that I wanted to, uh, to talk about one of them. I have a very stark opinion on because I'm <laughs> one of the users of this rule is uh and this is a big difference between ACO and ACL because they are different stances on this rule is the follow through rule right so a lot of you have seen on TV Frank Modlin Tyler Parent even me in my YouTube videos right I throw the bag and when I'm done my momentum carries me past the board and my foot steps past the line right and I I told this to someone who commented on my video the other day he's like do you need to have a footfall every bag and I commented back and said like Go on my video and go frame by frame. And if the bag's not out of my hand and my foot's over, then I'll agree. I'll, then I'll agree to change the way that I throw. But guess what? Mm-hmm. If you slow down my videos, my bag is gone every single time. My bag's my foot's not flipping, stepping past the line before my bag's there. Right. So the rule has now been changed to where there's a vertical wall on the front line of the board that your foot cannot cross that vertical wall until the bag is out of your hand. So it can be off the ground, and you need and with the caveat that you have one of your feet one of your toes touching somewhere inside the box when the bag is released. Right. So you can't step all the way out and then have that foot come up right at the end. You have to have some point of contact and your follow through leg or anything cannot cross the barrier until the bag is out of your hand. Your hand can, your chest can, like whatever you can lean forward if you want, like your, your feet just have to stay behind the line. That has been changed from your foot cannot touch the ground 
before the bag is left to your hand, but that leaves you room to kind of step over and throw at the same time. So I can understand that slight rule change. My big problem with this as someone who oversteps is, is any pro player or top tier advanced player that plays against Frank Modlin and he does it every single bag, none of them bitch because at the end of the day, you get no advantage, right? I'm not cheating. I, my, the, I'm throwing the bag from 27 feet the same way that you standing still throws the bag from 27 feet. Just because my body decides to go to 26 feet after the bag's in the air does not mean I didn't throw the bag at 27 feet. And pros Correct. know that. There's no advantage. So I've never heard anyone who's very good at cornhole complain about this rule. Ever. Because You know what the advantage is for Frank? He can still throw bags with his terrible hips. Right, right. He, That's he, literally yeah, he does the that only thing it does for him. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And and even for me, there and I challenge people like, okay, if you're if you're the hater of this rule, go put three bags on and throw a four bag push and stay behind the line. You either right. have to be a stepper that steps to the front and s- throws all your power into it. But if you're a standstill thrower and you want to throw a four bag push, do it without with not going like this and falling over there. Because <laughs> I guarantee you're not going to get enough power to have that. Oh, like what? Them. Yeah. <laughs> Like you, you, you know what I'm talking about, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Even airmails, dude. I find airmails. It's just like, all right, I'm falling through to the hole, right? I'm making sure. Sometimes I do, yeah. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I I follow through on a push. I mean, that's right. just and so do. And it's only on a hard push, but like, so funny enough, like I do it on hard pushes, but I also do it on a finesse step out. Right, just to make sure I you don't get know to why that spot. it just kind of it just it lets me kind of hold the bag up and just kind of let it go. Well, it's you probably because on the step out, you're subtracting the front of the board. You got to make sure you get it up and over. You're I probably... have to get it up high enough. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm losing whatever 20 or 30% of my board right. as I'm stepping out. And so I, yeah, I, I mean, it's, I, only, I do it on those. The reason I do it is because when I do not do it, my, I stop my follow through a little bit short and my bag jumps yep. right every single time because I'm not yep. finishing my shot with my body and my arm, everything continuing to the hole. And I need that continuous movement to keep my bag from jumping on me because when I cut it short, my bag just doesn't have the same rotation. It hits and jumps on me really bad. It's like when it's like if any of you have played and got tired at the end of the tournament, your bag gets lazy and starts kicking on you. hundred percent. It's because you're not following through the same way you've been following through all day. And that's just a part of my follow through process. I just, and that's why I think that the game is actually worse um, with the ACO rules. And that's why anyone who says we need to adopt just making it illegal, I actually think it will make the game way worse to watch and play. Watch Austin Cameron when he plays ACO. Every single bag, his foot is up off the ground and he's holding his balance at the line to not overstep. And then he goes and plays ACL and he oversteps every single time because his momentum is carrying forward. But in ACO, he's learned how to do this sideways balance thing to not step before the bag hits the board but it just i mean it looks so unnatural and he's doing it because he's 16 17 whatever he has to is. because he has to but he's able to do that balancing tell right. a six-year-old he's got to do a one-foot balance every bag he throws it's like there's no shot so what is he going to do learn how to step learn how to do something to stay behind the line sure. right so and some people might argue it's a better way to play like whatever it is i just don't think there's any competitive advantage to it and i think you if you tell someone they need to change or that that what they're doing is illegal or something, you have way more things that you need to be worrying about. Yeah, you need to focus on your throw. Right. Because I guarantee you're only complaining because you're getting your butt kicked. Or or you're or you're mentally blaming it as, oh, I'm distracted and that's why I missed that bag. If that's distracting yep. you, like like I mean, there's so many people that try to talk to you during I you know what I think should be illegal? Is setting your bags on the front of the damn board and picking it up 
right when I'm in my backswing on purpose. While someone's throwing, yes. Yeah, every single time. And there's people that do this. And even if they're not doing it on purpose, they somehow time it where I'm ready to throw and I got to sit there and watch your whole body move and bend mm-hmm. over in my entire peripherals, right? Well, we've, we've talked about this before. Oh. I, I do set my bags on the front of the board, right? But you wait. I let my bag go and, and I sit there and I stand back and I wait until they throw. Right. Now, if they're like taking some time and like stepping out and like thinking about yeah, what to do, I might like grab my out. bag. But you know, or if I totally whiff the last bag and they haven't thrown yet, like, yeah, I might grab my own bag, but I mean, you wait, it's just, it's a courtesy thing, right? but I have seen people do it hundred percent. I mean, especially right. the guys that hold two bags, you know, they throw one then they throw the other and then they just automatically reach down to grab their other two. And like, you could be in the middle of your throw as they're reaching. Right. There was one game that I played at the ACO or ACL open that I literally, and granted I threw really well because I think I slowed down, but I literally had to no, consciously wait for him to mm-hmm. grab his bag before I stepped up and set myself because because the first couple throws I'm just like dude like I can't ask you to change the way you're doing it's just gonna it keep doing so it distracting so I think that is a hundred times worse than like I don't know if you've ever watched Frank Modlin or even me throwing my videos I throw yeah. step step back like I don't mm-hmm. step out open oh, a clear. candy bar drink a beer have a conversation then get back to the line it's like a one what little foot movement you have to get back within three seconds, correct? You got to get back before the next person releases their bag, but they have to wait until your bag has come to rest. So, correct. So, I mean, if I throw, step, and step back, a lot of time my bag's not even to the board yet. I'm not stepping and watching it fly over there, right? Right. But, I mean, they're saying that basically is like you can't let it go, take a couple steps forward, it slides in the hole, you take like 20 seconds to get back to the line. It's like, all yeah. Right. And again, all of these rules are. They have to be, you have to be called out on it. Like they have to call an official over to watch your step to make sure you're not stepping early. So it's kind of like as long as you're doing everything within common courtesy, no one's going to call you out until it starts to get overly distracting for that person. Well, but that I mean, that kind of is a little segue into also the uh, lane discussion right. that you wanted oh, to have. Yeah, like the uh, I forgot I didn't add that in here as well. No, you didn't, but I added it for you. Oh, well, the only part of your body that's allowed to cross the middle line of the board is your arm. So if you come if you're inside and your arm comes over the middle of the board, that's allowed. Any other extremity that crosses the line is considered illegal. And by the way, and this we'll, we'll talk about the uh the punishments in a second when we talk about shot clock because they changed the rule for the shot clock, which is the last rule we want to get into today, which yep. is before when the opponent's bag came to rest, you had 20 seconds to throw your next bag. And now it's down to 12 seconds, which I think is a little bit extreme of a cut. A lot of people have been saying it should be 15, 12, yeah. 12 is actually pretty low. Like if you watch, like we had a conversation, like Jamie Graham thinking about a shot, like, should I roll? Should I airmail flipping it six, seven times? He he'll easily go over 12 seconds at some point. Right. And if you want to be a jerk and call someone out, so here's how it works. You can. If I say, Hey, I believe Corbin is continuously playing slow. I want an official over here to call shot clock. An official comes over. He then will now have a shot clock for both players for the remainder of the game. If you fail a shot clock, so if your bag is not gone 12 minutes, 12 seconds after your bag comes to rest and you have any timeouts remaining, your timeout is taken for that shot because you're basically taking a timeout unintentionally per se. If you don't have a timeout, that bag is sacrificed. Another interesting rule that goes same with the step over line rule. If an official is there and they deem your bag to be illegal, so you either stepped over the line too early or you uh, like passed the shot clock and you were called on it before you threw, but you still let the bag go or with the step, you broke the rule when you threw the bag, that bag is forfeited. But if it hits the board and makes any action to the board that benefits you in a point way, so if you knock one of your own bags in, knock your opponent's bag off, 
those that bag you threw is removed and the points that you scored from that interaction are negated from your score at the end of the round. So it's not like picking up your bags uh, in this sense where you just lose everything, right? Well, like your opponent gets a 12 and you get whatever you have in the right. But you sacrifice that bag in anything that you dealt with. The contrary is if you follow through and step over to your opponent's lane and and it does say in the rules that if an official deems it as you did it on purpose to be mm-hmm. intentionally distracting or get into sure. their way, then they can do the full sacrificial rule where you give up a 12 and you only get what you have in the hole. The same way as picking up the bags too early is yep. referenced to. As well as the lane marker. So they do say that in doubles you have 45 seconds from the end of one round to start the next round. And you have a minute in singles wow. to end the round, walk down and start the next round. You have one minute. Right. So it's the same. So if you do call shot clock, that's also part of the shot clock is that's going to be long continuation. Yeah. Right. So I, I think, and I think it seems that, like a long time. Yeah. But you walk down, pick up the bags. I mean, blah, blah, blah. And especially in singles, yeah, I, I guess real quick, but I guess on the contrary point or uh, on what happened to Devin in that bag call out thing, I think people need to realize on the shot clock thing is before you decide that you want to call shot clock on someone, know that 12 <laughs> seconds isn't that long. Too. You know that 12 seconds isn't that long, and if you want to think about a shot, they will call it on you too. So I think unless it's like to a point of my gameplay is being hindered because this dude's taking 30 seconds Correct. to think about every single shot, I yeah. don't see it being called. And if and if it does get called, and I mean, I think people could call it if they want to be a stickler. Like Noah Wooten made a joke. That he's like, he's like, you you bitch better be ready. I'm counting to 12 in my head as practice. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I he's like, he's like I'm pacing this thing out already. Do I think we get to the point that they actually call it? I think it has to be pretty extreme. for Probably not. It's going to have to be extreme. So I don't think the rule changes will change too much unless it's like a severe case. But I just wanted to get out there that I think I think if you're one at a local event or on on my damn YouTube videos to call out my stupid overstep, either read the rules and figure it out or get better, (laughs) get better at the game, because there's way more things to worry about than my damn football through. (laughs) <laughs> there really are and, you know and like i've never played against anybody good that said it was an issue ever no so it's it's one of those things that i i just honestly the reason i'm so passionate about it is i can't believe how many posts i see about people bitching about it it's like oh, it's seriously absurd. why do you care like where do you think i'm there anyone is cheating or breaking the rules like it just blows my mind how many people give a shit about something that's so inconsequential to the okay. game care a lot about things that don't matter right i mean i granted it is the internet and people just care about shit that matter. understandable for yeah. sure and we're an hour into this podcast so the only you know not that many people will hear it that probably don't that are the people that would comment that anyway so fair you know, so on the on, on how i believe you know i think it's stupid and i don't i think the fair. aco should revert it and just say i don't give a crap just don't pass yeah the i don't care step do what you want right so either way so those are the uh you know so we got it's one one I want to say before we we conclude. It's nice to be back, man. It's nice to talk to you. I feel like feel like we haven't it talked nice. in like three months. You know, it's like I just like and, okay, that's not even true. We talked no, on the phone like yeah, three hours ago. No, I don't <laughs> talk, but it's not like oh, I get to just talk about cornhole. Like, well, shit. that's true. You know, and it's, it's normally like, you just call me to tell me how cool your bags are, and I'm like, yeah, that's okay. That's not great. True. You call me to tell me I need to throw <laughs> Viper R's, and I'm like, oh, whatever. I have not done that to you. <laughs> I may have done that to you, and you did get some. Yeah, I know, and they're they're good. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. I, I I personally think they're too floppy because my hands are tiny. So like I struggle to throw them consistently. I want something with a little more grip. Mine are like gone though, like gone, gone, gone. Well, yeah, yours are yours are wrecked. Mine are not. 
Right. And there. granted, they they melt like my buddy, um, my buddy who throws a lot of ultra. He's like, these are the best bags I've ever thrown. And they play really, really good. I just personally I mean, they're pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty good. But I've had a lot of people like that. My doubles partner doesn't love them. Right. I haven't had anyone tell me the avalanches are bad. <laughs> Probably because you haven't sent me a set yet. Ah, there we go. I can't wait for Corbin's first review of, you know, I wanted to like these, man, do they suck. Yeah. <laughs> first negative review the, on the channel, baby. Let's wait go. for the mail day post. Yeah, I he, get a man and be like, well, I got a bag of turd today. <laughs> Corbin passes his 100th review and now negativity starts to creep in. You know? he's like, everything. He's like, he's like, all right, you know, I made it to 100. Uh, now I can start crapping on every company I want. Yeah. You now I just feel bad for every single person. Um, by the way, speaking of the hundredth, because you plugged yourself, I'm going to plug myself. Sounds terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> Talk. It's true. Um, my hundredth episode is on Wednesday. I assume this is going to be posted Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so my hundredth episode will be tomorrow. You're not going to want to miss it. It's hilarious, and that is all I'm going to leave you with. I'm excited. Knowing what it is, I'm going to watch it on TV. Dude, it's, I think. it's so good. I watched it last night and I was just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's Seriously, awesome. it's so, so good. And I and, and on a seg or not a segue, but on a note to that is congrats, man. That's awesome. Thank you, sir. You made it to 100, uh, 100 reviews. What is while. that including like your break-in video and stuff like that? Nope. Or is it just nope. These are only actual episoded reviews. Right. So you had 100. Do you know so, how many videos yeah, you posted like, overall? Uh, not off the top of my head. Like 110, 120, something like that? Uh, probably somewhere in there. I mean, because yeah. I've done some little midweek stuff. I've right. done little like mini chapter two stuff. Sure. Um, I didn't include stuff like that. Um, I only included my literal episode one through 99. And Isn't that crazy? Video. If I was going to tell you like when you started this, like that you were going to review a hundred bags, would you? <laughs> like, isn't that nuts? And if I was to tell you that I had 40 more waiting. <laughs> oh, dude, I know. I mean, you know? What, 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 like what's crazy to me is like the granted because I would do the tutorial stuff and some of the like all the yeah. vlogs and whatnot that I have 150 videos in a year. It's just like 150 videos, man. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's I started it this wild. I'm in my backyard throwing bags. I didn't even know what the name of it was. And now it's just like now I got a shelf so of bags in a bag company. You've done a year. I just hit a year. Uh, just hit a year last week. I think I just rolled a little over like a year and a half. Right. So no, dude. Yeah. I mean, both of our growth has been. I, I and I feel like I feel like one hundred percent that my me growing was because of us together, and then your oh, continual absolutely. growth is like I feel like we're helping each other more than we're hurting. You know, we're like helpful parasites. Right. Right. We just, we just, we just take up all of our viewers time. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, we just it's nice though. It's, force them to watch more of our it's content. Mutually beneficial. Right. So, well, this episode's a little bit long. If you've stuck around to this point, then man, you are dedicated and we appreciate you. I'm impressed. You know, and, and, uh, and we hope that it was enjoyable. You know, it's nice to be back and just talk. Hopefully we uh, continue to come up with good content ideas. If you guys have any ideas that you want for future episodes or just for us to talk about or share our opinions on, we'll obviously have more bag reviews coming on the podcast and more in-depth stuff about uh, a couple of yeah. companies that have sent a bunch of stuff, but give us some more topics or interesting things you're curious about questions. You know, we love the AMA stuff, but also just any other topics we can dive into and do some research into. Uh, we'd yeah. always love to do. So if you're still around for that, just know we value your opinion and we want to tell you the stuff that you guys enjoy. So, you know, a little bit about the ACL, ACO, no stamp, you know, I, I hopefully we cleared that up 
up for some people on the maybe maybe why when you ask me are you going to be ACL stamp soon I tell you no there's a rationale <laughs> behind it uh, but also like uh, bag regulations rule changes I think that's going to be an interesting contention point going into the season and I, I part of me thinks they're going to try to avoid the topic until it pops up again but the other part of me means, means they need to address it in some capacity and I think I think it's going to be interesting about how they come up with and I think the idea that they come up with will directly influence how we see bags come out in the future and what they look like. For sure. So, well, man, appreciate you joining me for another episode of the Absolutely podcast. Do. If you guys made it this far, really appreciate you guys' constant support on the podcast and all of our videos. I uh, hope you have a great rest of your day and rest of your week, and we can't wait to uh, catch you guys in the next one. Bye, guys.